Uh, if you think that I hit a difficult subject last Sunday uh, with the whole moral chaos and in particular the uh, gay marriage issue that the um, Supreme Court took up on Tuesday, wait till you hear today's because I'm talking about money today. Now, a lot of you last week will easy to say amen and stuff to the gay marriage or the homosexual issue, but uh, it was unusually quiet in the first service today as we spoke on financial chaos. I'm a member of the Board of Ministry for the Southwestern Ohio District of the Church of the Nazarene. That means me and about 11 other folks have responsibility to to decide who gets ordained and who gets licensed and so forth and so on. And yesterday was the day that we meet to make those decisions. And I had some good sermon illustrations yesterday, to be quite honest with you, not going expecting to see that, but about half of the people that we dealt with yesterday that were even coming to us for uh, asking to be ordained, they've completed their classwork and they've put in their time and all of that, about half of the people, either asking to be ordained or for a district license, there was so much financial chaos in their life that uh, for one gentleman, we did not ordain him and ask him to be able to come back next year and show us a plan of how you're going to take care of $40,000 worth of credit card debt. And um, it was amazing to me, about half of the people... Uh, were just debt, 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 debt. And um, everybody wanted to pay it off, but no one could tell us of their plan to pay it off. Everyone knew they needed to pay it off, but they could not tell us of their plan to be able to do that. And one gentleman, we asked him how many credit cards that this debt had accumulated, and he said it was 10 to 12 credit cards. <laughs> And obviously, as people who are looking to ordain ministers, um, you know, we're looking for people to have some discipline in their life, and we're looking for people who can devote themselves wholeheartedly. And how can you devote yourselves wholeheartedly to a church if you're in financial chaos on this other side over here, and it's not good for the pastor, it wouldn't be good for the church. And so I saw some exhibitions of financial chaos among men and women who you think would be wholly devoted followers of Jesus Christ. They're going into ministry. So if there's a, 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 a slice of these people who are going into ministry, sold out, want to, want to devote full-time to ministry, if they're in financial chaos... What about us as a whole? And so today we want to talk about this very difficult subject. And some people will say, well, you know, why do you, you know, the whole thing of money and politics and all that, and why is it that you want to be able to bring that up? Why do we mix all of that? Well, you already mix God and money because you pray for better jobs, don't you? You pray for God to be able to help you with your finances, don't you? You pray for God to be able to help with that $500 bill that you have for new tires, don't you? We all mix God and money. 
And so let's talk a little bit this morning about financial chaos because this is a spiritual issue. Now, if you are not a God person, if you're not a Jesus person and someone just drug you here today or you're just here to please your grandmother or, or you're just here to be able to uh, you know, get your kids some little church uh, uh, training or something like that and you're not really interested in this whole God and Jesus thing, consider this a good financial seminar for you, okay? But if you are a Christian... This stuff is non-negotiable, that if you are a sincere follower of Jesus Christ and you want to follow after Christ with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, some of this stuff today that we're going to talk about is non-negotiable for you because financial chaos in your life will hinder you in your relationship with God, and we'll show you that later on. So you're not a God person, you're not a Jesus person, you're just waiting for lunch, this is a financial seminar, okay? If, if, if you're into this thing, if you're into this Christian thing, this, this stuff is non-negotiable, and it will hinder, it will hinder your ability to be a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ and listen to his voice and do as he instructs you to do if the finances are not in order in your life. Let me start with a saying that I think everyone will agree with. Um, I think what is behind me now will not surprise anyone. But we, as a culture, don't live that way. But everyone would agree with that statement. But we, as a culture, I'm not talking about Xenia Nazarene, I'm just talking about us. We, as a culture, don't live this way. We live like our, our quality of life will increase as our standard of living increases. Because our culture tells us if we, get, if we get the upgrade, if we get the bigger, if we get the better, if we, if, if, if we have the newer, if, if we have the latest model, if we have the biggest and the greatest and the nicest, and the, that things will be better. Every ad that you see on TV screams that to you. There's not a single person in this room right now that would disagree with that statement. Some of you have proved that statement because your standard of living today is higher probably than it's ever been. You're, you're in your 40s and 50s, and your standard of living is better than it's ever been. And that's the way it should be as, as, as you grow older and get more mature in your career. But some of you can't say you're happier today. Some of you can't say your quality of life is any better today. In fact, some of you would, would, would be able to say you were, you were kind of, the quality of life was better back when, back when we were in that little apartment, you know? The culture leans on you really hard to say your life will be so better if you get that and if you go there and if it's that is the best and upgrade to that and this and that and get this and that and for my son here listening to this message, get that new Lego thing that you want, okay? That your life will be so better. Jesus talked about that. This, you know, most of the things that we find in life, like that's a true statement. You could say that's a secular statement, but it's true. A lot of those things that we find in life that are like true statements, even though they may seem secular, they're rooted in Scripture somewhere. They're rooted in Scripture. And Luke 12, chapter 15, Jesus basically says what I've just had up there to you, for you, but he just says it in different words. He, he says at the very end right there, after, after the semicolon, 
Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now, that's the same thing as saying that your standard of life is not the same thing as your quality of life. Jesus says, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. This isn't a whole parable about money. Okay? Your life, your life that, by the way, Jesus said he came so it would be, you would have life in abundance. This abundant life he wants you to have, it doesn't exist in what you have. And I think I can, can I twerk scripture a little bit that says this life is not in the abundance of possessions or it's not even in the lack of possessions. I I think God would be okay if he'd let me twerk scripture a little bit there. have, Have you, have you bought into the fact that your life is going to be better if you get the upgrade, if you get the newest, if you get the latest? If you get the greatest, have you bought into that lie? What is it Romans 12 says? Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world is bigger, better, upgrade, go here, go there, have it to the gusto, drink this beer and your life will be better, you know? What do you think God is more concerned about? Is he more concerned about your standard of living or your quality of life? Jesus said, as I already said, repeated, he said that I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. That's a pretty odd thing that Jesus said because he said, to you people who are alive, I've come that you would have life. That's a really odd thing. (laughs) To you people out here that are living, I would come that you would really live and that that you would have an abundant life. What's God more concerned about? You sold out follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a, if you're if you're not interested in God or Jesus, you just scratch this little part of it right here. Okay, uh, this is you know if you're not interested in what God thinks, that's fine. But if you halfway interested in what God thinks, what quality of life, standard of living, what helps your marriage more? Standard of living. quality of life some of you have tried the standard of living thing and you've tried to make a marriage that is kind of not very good you've tried to make it better with cool vacations and you know what it was better for a little bit but it wore off some of you tried to make it better but with new living room furniture and you didn't know that's really what you were doing but you were kind of almost taking it as a drug it's not very good. My life's not very good. Let's buy a new living room furniture, and we'll get excited about that. And now, we laugh, we laugh and we giggle, but that's what we do. Just like when I'm kind of down or depressed, I medicate myself with a Pizza Hut buffet. You know? <laughs> Some people medicate themselves with new living room furniture. My marriage is, is cool. You, 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 you don't have good quality of... Uh, uh, my marriage is not good. You don't have good quality of life in your marriage, but we have cool cars. 
Uh, this next thing is, is a tough one. But it's, it's true that, that eliminating financial chaos, eliminating financial chaos in your life may, and this is kind of un-American, isn't it? It may lower your standard of living, but it will increase your quality of life. Eliminating financial chaos in your life it may, at least for the short term, a year or two or three or four or five as you really work on this thing, it may lower your standard of living, but it will increase your quality of life. It will increase, especially in the, long, in the long run. So how is it that we can eliminate some financial chaos in our lives? And I'm, some of you, I know that some of you have got your finances in order. I know that you do. Well, let me tell you, there's a whole lot of people in my office. And as I talk to other pastors, there's a whole lot of people in their office. Half of the people that wanting to get ordained or be a district licensed pastor were in financial chaos. So what's that mean for the run of the mill everyday John and Jane Doe Christian? I got a graphic up here on, 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 that helps us understand as we try to process, how can we eliminate this? Now, this is just a little graph, and your, your money is, 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 is vertical. The, the time that you live is horizontal. And hopefully, if things go right, as they should, your income grows as you age. So hopefully, when I'm 30, I make more money than I'm 20. You know that. This, I'm not teaching anything. When I'm 40... I make more money than I'm 30. It doesn't always, sometimes tragedy happens, sometimes you lose a job. I get all that. It, the ing, it, you say, well, oh, man, that line looks awful, awful steep to me. I, it's just an illustration, okay? And I think everybody knows that as you age, as you get more skilled, uh, you get raises, you become more valuable to the company, and with time, this is what should happen to your income. I, I, think, I, I think everyone would agree with that. Okay? Now, the same thing happens with, with our expenses. The next slide shows a red line that has to do with our expenses. Now, if things go right, yeah, as we make more, our expenses and our spending will go up, but they will not track our income. And the problem that we have is that many times when we get those raises, when we get those better jobs, when we get those bonuses, we just track our expenses and track our spending with our income. But what you have to have, you see this space between the green line and the red line? Wow, that is chaos-free area. That is, that less divorces happen in that space right there. there there's fewer marital problems in that space right there. There's, there's less anxiety. There's less depression in that space right there. There's more smiles in the family. There's more laughing in the family. There's more... There's less pressure. If our spending does not track our income. That's comfortable. That's, that's comfort zone. That's margin. That's space. That's, that's breathing room. That's not financial chaos. This is what we should shoot for. Unfortunately, 
what we have in our culture today, and Xenia Nazarene is just a small part of the culture, what we have in our culture today is the next slide, where as our income goes up, unfortunately, so do our spending. And you know what? We got a little line. And man, I tell you, there's marriage problems in that little line. There's, there's anxiety in that little line. There's depression in that little line. There's fighting to keep your head above water. Imagine somebody in the ocean that is, that, is, that is drowning and they're trying to keep their head above water. That's, that's what that is. You're trying each month to keep your head above water and I pay this bill this month and let this one run late and it's just, ooh, it's, just, it's chaos. It's not fun. It's, 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 it's anxiety. It's medication. It's arguments with my wife. It's arguments with my kids. Everybody's getting on my nerves. What happens if the hot water heater goes out? You'd say, well, Mark, I'm barely making it. I am making it. I'm, I'm getting it all. What happens when an emergency happens? What happens when you have to have $500 for new tires? What happens when you get sick and have to two weeks off of work? There's no breathing room. There's no space. There's no margin. There's no... It's just hard to keep your head above water. And it's a fight. And it's stressful. And any little thing that happens in your house gets you mad and irritated and you yell at the kids more. And Do you know it doesn't make... Yes, you know this. You're smart people. But we don't live like this. Do you know it doesn't make any difference how much you make? Really? It's how much you spend. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you didn't pay to hear that today, did you? I mean, you know that. But we don't follow it. And what I know you think, you think, well, if I could just make another $10,000 a year. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. your spending will track it. Well, it's, 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 if, if, we hadn't had, if we hadn't busted back in 2008... If we hadn't just busted back in, no, it started before 2008 in your life, didn't it? 2008 just showed how small that gap was. And when emergencies happen and stuff happens, that, ugh. and you know the worst thing about this? The people that make a lot of money, the people that make six figures, and they're living like that, let me tell you, you lose a six-figure job, you can't replace it very easily. You lose a $200,000 year, you just can't go out and replace that tomorrow. And if you have tracked your spending with your income, man, you've got no reserve and you've got no fallback position because you just can't go out and get a six-figure job. Maybe you can go out and find a $30,000 job. We got one more slide. Unfortunately, some people are underwater. Now, if we charted our federal government, that red line would be just like straight up, right? So our federal government gives us no help here. They don't model anything that they should model for us. And if they get all bent out, if the federal government gets bent out of shape because of the financial conditions of the everyday Joe in the United States, they are hypocrites. Okay, because they don't model anything for us. We are $18 trillion in debt. I can't even fathom what $18 trillion is. 
But there are some people that are underwater. And we choose to pay this bill and not this bill. And it's chaos. And when you're like this, or when the line is really close together, either way, whether you're underwater or whether you're barely keeping your head above water, when the line is like that, you can't be a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ because you're a slave to your bill. You're a slave to your work. Your money doesn't work for you. You work for your money. What's the old saying? I'm I'm in debt. Off to work I go because I'm in debt and I'm in debt. I'm in debt. Something like that, but probably not even close. You cannot be a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ and be in slavery like that. Jesus says that. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus says that. In another whole story about money, Jesus says you can't serve two masters. And let me tell you, if you're underwater or if you're just barely keeping your head above water, that Visa card is mastering you. That mortgage payment that you really can't afford is is mastering you. That, that, that car payment for that big SUV is mastering you. That little cool thing, well, it said 36 months, same as cash, but you know, it's mastering you. And the Bible says you can't serve two masters. Some of you have had a, a job where you had two bosses, and it was nuts, wasn't it? It was just nuts because of the truth of this statement. Either you're going to love the one and hate the other or vice versa. And then he says... You can't serve God in money. And, and Jesus is saying, what is the number one opponent to a heart that is sold out, fully devoted to Jesus Christ? I thought it would have been the devil. No, it's not the devil. It's money. It's the way you handle money. It's the way you deal with your money. It's the place and priority that you give money in your life. And if, 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 if I'm underwater or if I'm barely keeping my head above water, I'm mastered by my bills. And you can't have two masters if you want to be a sold-out follower of Jesus Christ. Now, again, if you're just here for the financial seminar, you just, you just avoid this point. But if you're a Christian here today, and you're even halfway serious about that, This is an issue that we have to get control of in our lives. I like to be a generous person. I I like to be able to help out Bridges of Hope. I'd like to be able to be Forzinia, but Visa won't let me. I like to practice the one another's of Scripture and be a person that's others-focused and not just focused on me, but MasterCard won't let me. I know I'm, 
I know I'm not supposed to be other-centered and my heart's supposed to be bent out toward other people and not just into myself, but the only thing I can think of is all these bills and it forces me to be about me, 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 me. And I don't have time to, I don't have time to go coach my kid's soccer team because i got to work two jobs because i got to pay off this $2,400 70-inch TV. And not exaggerating we deal with it don't we Greg you can't serve two masters you can't serve two masters and also another scripture in Luke chapter 12 that Jesus, it's, an, it's a commandment, it's not a suggestion, it's just a commandment. Jesus tells me, he's, he says, what do we have up here, Jennifer? He says not to worry in 12.22. He says not to worry. Will you tell me how in the world with all of these bills, with these phone calls that I avoid, with all this stuff right here, how I can't worry? You tell me how I can't worry. I'm afraid to pick up the phone because I've told them them that I'm going to get it to them and I still haven't got it to them. I avoid all these phone conversations. I got all these bills. This is the one I have to skip this month. How can I not worry when I see this? How can I not worry about my kids when as a dad I'm working two or three jobs just to keep the spending going? I pastored in Springboro, Ohio, and it's a rather affluent little suburb of Dayton and, and three and four hundred thousand dollar houses that I've been in that people couldn't afford the furniture, so there's empty rooms. You know, Greg, you've seen it a hundred times in your business. I've known of people that have owned these nice, beautiful homes that had their electricity cut off. Chaos. Cannot serve two masters, Christian friend. You cannot help but worry. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you not to worry about your life and what you eat and about your body and what you wear. Verse 23, for life is more than food, body more than clothes. Verse 25, who of you can, who of you can add just, a, just one measly hour to your life by worrying about it? Now this is a teaching of Jesus and how can I obey it? if I'm in financial chaos in my life. I don't, I don't put you down for not obeying this. I don't. I don't know how it's even possible to obey that with financial chaos in my life. With, with, a, with a good guy that came in front of us yesterday who, who wanted his district license renewed, who, who's got a $70,000 mortgage, $100,000 of student loan debt, $26,000 of credit card debt, $7,800 in an auto loan, and four kids. And how is he going to ever try to pastor a church when the first church he gets is going to be 50 or 75 people and won't pay him hardly anything? It's going to take him out of the ministry. 
his financial chaos. You know it's right, Harold. You've seen it happen a hundred times. You have another verse up here, Jim? Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Just don't worry about it. The pagans, they, they, they worry about all that stuff. You Christian friend, you'd be different. You'd be different than those. They, they worry about clothes and what they're going to eat and what they're going to wear. You, you'd be different. Don't you worry. God says, I got your back. Don't, don't worry on this. Let, let the pagans worry about that. Let, let the uh, people that are different than you worry about that. And then 1231. How, how can I seek first when I'm mastered? bills well I want to be a good news preacher <laughs> I haven't been so far ever had a lady say to me how did you know I needed this message today? So what do we do about this? What do we do about it, friends? You're smart people. You've got to create space between those two lines. And I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not here to tell you that how you create space. You know what your, I don't even know what your expenses are. It's none of my business. I just know you, you got to open it up. And the only, there's only two ways to open it up. The government opens it up by increasing our debt ceiling, okay? Well, you can't do that. Okay, you can't do that. You can only open it up by increasing your income or decreasing your expenses. That's the only way. So, I, mean, I don't know in any other way. It's just like, Mark, how in the world are you going to lose that 20 pounds around your belly? There's only one way. I'm going to expend more calories than I take in. That's the only way. I mean, there's the only way. There's no other way. Zip, 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 zip. No other way. There's no other way to create space. Either I've got to increase the income, which sometimes that's not a good... It, that's not even a good choice because I'm already working two jobs and I never see my wife and, 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 and she works the first shift and I work the second shift. And How do you do that, church? Some of you are saying, Mark, there's nothing left to cut. And I get it, friends. I really, really do. Maybe for a short time you do need to take that second job. For a year or two and, and throw everything at some of those debts. Just just attack it. Just get mad at it. Just, just declare out, all out war against that spending. Now that that may not mean you can go to Starbucks. One, one, of, the, one of the guys we were talking to yesterday was talking about this was a guy. This was a guy that had $40,000 worth of credit card debt. He was talking about and answering a question, how do you relax and get away from the ministry? He says, oh, Mo, we'd like to go take vacations. <laughs> Stand it. I don't. 
I looked at him and I smiled. I said, brother, I'm just talking for myself. But if I was $40,000 in credit card debt, I couldn't take a vacation. There's financial chaos and they don't even know it's financial chaos. How do you do this, church? Maybe if I saw your books, I could help you, but I don't have time to look at all the rest of your books. I'm not qualified to look at all your books. I'm not a financial. He's either going to increase income or decrease expenses. Nate Chrisman is always wanting me to give you homework, so I'm going to give you homework tonight. Okay? He says, he, he says, you got to give them something to do. All right, I'm going to give you something. If you don't like this, blame Nathan, okay? I don't like to tell you that this is pretty heavy-handed, okay? So go right to Nathan on this if you don't like to. All right, you got to do one of the two, right? Increase income or decrease expenses. No-brainer. It's simple. You can't decrease expenses unless you know what you spend. And the problem with everyday Joe and Jane of this world is they don't know where it goes. And that's really frustrating, isn't it? Because you're making more than you ever made before and you don't feel like it. So your homework assignment, blame Nathan if you don't like homework, okay? For a week, maybe two, could you write down Sheet of paper, computer, Quicken, iPhone, I don't care what you do. Everything you spend. And until you know where your money's going, you can't even start to cut expenses. My sweet wife, for, how long, are you in here, Sue? How long have we been married? We've been married since 1995, however long that is, okay? <laughs> you can go back. And look at her little yellow ledger sheets. She's got everything written down. Every penny we've spent. She's got it written down. So I have some moral authority to speak to you on this. And I would have no moral authority if I didn't marry the right woman. Let me tell you that. Would you track it for a week? Would you track it for two? Maybe, maybe you can find a place here and a find a place. Oh, yeah, that, that you can't go out to eat as much. I know that. That's a standard of living thing. One more thing as we go, as, as, a, as a piece of good news. All right, how you get out of financial chaos? Somehow you got to do this. And I'm not a financial. Talk to Holly Hutchinson. She's FPU. Talk to Dave and Cindy Ogotis. They're FPU trainers. Maybe they can help you, okay? Somehow you got to open up space. And there's something else that Sue and I have practiced 
for almost 20 years of ministry, uh, Mary's now. And you've heard it from me before. It's not profound. It's so simple. You're smarter than this. You're going to say, duh, but can you live your life by, at least live your life by 10, 10, 80? Live off of 80% of your income. Give 10% to God. Pay yourself 10% in savings and force yourself to live off of 80% of your income. It's so simple. But let me tell you, if you would do that, get yourself to the point. You may not be able to get there like tomorrow. There's, there's, you've you got to take small steps before you make the big one. But if you could get that, if you could get to 10, 10, 80, do you know how much of percentage of your income you live off of? Do you know that? And some of you say, well, duh, yeah, 100% of what I live off. You need to know that. You need to know what percent of your income you live off of. Last year, Sue and I lived off of 68.6% of our income. And the rest of it, we either gave it away or we saved it for our breathing room. And I don't mind sharing because I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you, if this, if this lug can do it, anybody can do it. I mean... We, we gave, uncannily, we gave away the same amount of money we saved. We, we gave away to the church and others 15.7% of our income, and we saved 15.7% of our income. It's, uh, some reason it come out exactly the same. You know what? To be able to give yourself that much breathing room and try to honor God with your money that much and be that generous with your money, you know what? You've got to be okay with your kids being mad at you sometimes. And you can't give in to them every time they whine. I know your kids never whine. I know your kids never, ever whine. But you can't give in to them every time that you, they whine. I love you with all my heart. Okay. <laughs> I, I told you several weeks ago, our kids didn't know what Kings Island was a couple of years ago. We kept it from them. We told them what Coney Island was because it only cost $12.95 to get into Coney Island. And you know what? They didn't know what Kings Island was, and they were excited with Coney Island. Ten, ten, eighty. Young people. Wow. I got, I got several premarital counseling sessions going on, getting married here in the next two or three months. Man, if those couples with their very first paycheck would start 10, 10, 80, whew, how comfortable would they be? Wow. With that very first paycheck. Now, it may not mean that you have to go out and buy the, the, you know, the organic shampoo or whatever it is. You may not be able to do that. You may have to be like us in our house and buy the suave. You don't even have to do that. I just stepped on a toe there. I know who it was. <laughs> but there are choices to make to get to there. And why do you want to get to there, Christian friend? You can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. When the lines are like this, you're not serving two masters. When the lines are tracking one another... Final thing, and we're going to go. 
or at least I'm going to stop talking. 101080, I don't want your money. Tell you what, you don't believe me? Go give your money to another church. Okay? Give your 10% to Greg Delaney. Give your 10% to a homeless shelter. Give your 10% to AHOP. Give your 10% to another church. It'll prove to you that what we're saying is right. It's not about bringing money into this church and we, we need all that money. You're all amazingly faithful with the ones that are, are give. But if you don't believe what I'm saying, it's, I don't have no ulterior motive. Go give it to another church. I want it for you. I'm your pastor and I want it for you because this is where Christians ought to be because we can be Christians here with peace and joy and ah, in our life. You can't. We're a bunch of grumpy, irritated people like this who are getting divorces just like the world is getting divorces. Jesus died. Not so you can just go to heaven. He died so that you would have a life and have it more abundantly. He died not to just be your savior, but to be the Lord of your life. And how in the world can I obey his commandments unless I have about money anyway? Unless I've got space. I know I told you the last thing, but let, let me tell you one more last thing. Some of you need to be humble enough to go to someone and lay out your financial situation, the good and the bad and the ugly, and be humble enough to say, would you please help me? I had one lady come in my office, and, man, she just opened it up, man. She just poured it on the office. She goes, it's a mess. I can't deal with it anymore. Tell me what to do. And literally, I don't, I don't like that because I don't, I'm not a financial guru, but she would have probably done whatever I told her to do because she knew she got to the point where it was just chaos in her life. And I don't like to be put in that situation because I'm not a financial guy. Can you be humble enough, some of you, to just lay it in front of someone who's got some expertise in, in this and say, please help me? Our servers are coming to the table. And every Sunday we offer the symbols of the blood and body of Jesus because the Bible says to proclaim his death until he came. And, and he died, as I said, not just to be your Savior, but your Lord. And he died not just so you could have a ticket out of hell. He died that you could have life and have it more abundantly. And some of you, I don't know how many of you, a lot of you are doing a good job, but there's some of you, you don't have abundant life because you don't have that. Father, Man, this is hard because when we delve into people's wallets, it's just personal. But you are a personal God. And you are concerned with every single aspect of our lives. And Father, I have some oversight 
as the shepherd of this church. And with all the mercy that can be mustered in my heart, I want my people to be have financial peace, to be out of financial chaos. Because I know when that happens, the divorces will lessen and the arguments will lessen and the fruit of the Spirit will show more sold out followers as you want us to be. Father, as we come to the table today and as some will kneel around this altar, I just pray that you'll move on us. Take something that's been said. Let us act on it. In Jesus' name.